0: If nothing else, television is a cyclical business. Anything that was popular back then often has a habit of making a comeback at some point. Or as Bob Newhart once said to the late Peter Scolari, The television always runs in, in cycles. Re- remember back in the 70s, that, that, that great lineup, uh, All in the Family, M.A.S.H., uh, Mary Tyler Moore, the, the Carol Burnett Show. Dick, don't remind me. <laughs> and how about that show with the shrink who stuttered? <laughs> That being said, for this next prologue, we're actually going to jump a lot more backwards in time than we planned, largely because some of the people that we're about to mention during the rise of this network would be instrumental in the rise of our next network. (laughs) When the Fox Network debuted in 1986, People had to be hired in order to run the necessary whistles and bells that were needed to make it work. Two people who network co-founder Barry Diller had in mind to head up the network were up and coming stars in the media industry, having piloted a number of studio divisions in the early years of their careers. Hired to oversee the overall vision of the network as CEO was former CBS and Orion executive Jamie Kellner. Almost immediately afterward, Kellner tapped a longtime friend of his who was working as one of many right-hand men to Brandon Tartikoff at NBC to be the Fox Network's first network programmer, Garth and Sear. For the first four years of its existence, Kellner and Sear and a slew of other up-and-coming young executives fought uphill battles through trial and error to turn the Fox network from fledgling upstart to worthy competitor, which they would eventually do. Tracy Olman, 21 Jump Street, Married with Children, Cops, America's Most Wanted, The Simpsons. No need to thank them personally. In 1989, Ensier parted ways with Fox, leaving Kellner and company to maintain the momentum that the young network had gained. And for the most part, Fox was being taken seriously thanks to its young and fresh programming, upending decades of traditional norms. And then came the year 1993 and the abolition of something called the Financial Interest in Syndication Rules. Super short version that we'll probably miss a detail or two on anyway, the FCC created this in the 1970s so that TV networks would be prevented from producing their own content, but not if the networks spun off their production divisions into rising syndication markets. I'll probably do a full-on episode about this someday, but to cut to the chase, Fin Sin, as it was called, was eliminated by 1993, thus meaning that networks would begin populating their schedules with new shows purchased from studios owned by the network. Now all that was needed by some studios was a network to put these shows on. And since we've already talked about one of them the previous month, Let's go now to the other one. Well, all of us here at Channel 11 are excited after yesterday's announcement that the Tribune Company and Warner Brothers are teaming up next fall to form a new television network. Bugs Bunny, a television network mogul? Once upon a time, rabbit ears changed television reception and they're doing it again. Warner Brothers and the Tribune Company, which owns WPIX, joined forces to create television's newest primetime network. Warner Brothers has long been a staple in the world of television, primarily responsible for either the creation and or distribution of a who's who of TV classics. But in 1993, in spite of its legacy and its strengths as a durable entertainer for other networks, coming up with a brand new one from scratch was a daunting task. Fortunately, somebody in Hollywood was no stranger to daunting tasks. Jamie Kellner, one of the forces who created the Fox network, is in charge of the new WB network, and he's going after the big guys. We're going to be very aggressively attacking the 18-49 demographic that ABC goes after and that Fox goes after, and our shows will just be different. The higher-ups at Warner Brothers managed to lure Jamie Kellner away from the Fox network in an effort to repeat history. And because many at the company were hoping that lightning would strike twice, Kellner once again reached out to Garth and Sear. By this point, an independent TV producer in the middle of spearheading production of Ricky Lake's first talk show, and Sear would repeat his role as network programmer. With both men in charge, it wouldn't be long until a solid chunk of executives who worked with both of them during Fox's infancy would follow suit. Preparations would now begin for a January 1995 launch of the network. Gee, Daffy, I wonder who they're going to get to pull the switch. Why me, indubitably, as I possess all of the talent around here. As was the case with UPN and even Fox to an extent, the network started out with a slow rollout. Whereas UPN launched itself with two nights of programming and high ratings, the WB would take its bow on Wednesday nights only in the winter of 1995 with less than stellar results, with some reports stating that the network only managed to pull in a two-share then again, look at Fox when it formally debuted its primetime lineup in 1987. There were a lot of parallels between both networks. Both networks had only one night of programming to start with, both networks premiered with all sitcoms, and perhaps more importantly, both networks had very little coverage to be seen all over the country, even though Fox had acquired the Metro Media group of TV stations and top TV markets, while Warner Brothers went into a joint venture with Tribune Broadcasting. Same story, but perhaps the slow start was the point. UPN came in with phasers blazing thanks in part to the debut of Star Trek Voyager, while the WB's opening salvo was Sean and Marlon Wayans accidentally lighting Gary Coleman's hair on fire for the sake of comedy. Well, fellas, I just had to come by today and tell all my fans about Goop Head is. is it hot in here? <laughs> The lights are starting to burn nothing. It's just Vaseline, bacon fat, and drain It made more sense in context, I promise. Still, though, the WB would eventually find itself and its niche the same way UPN would find theirs. Just keep trying things until something worked. And eventually, they did. But even though the WB was miles ahead of UPN for most of its existence, the network's biggest weakness would lie in their comedy shows. With some notable exceptions, of course. There's the aforementioned Wayans Brothers, which was a good show. So was The Parenthood. Unhappily Ever After, Steve Harvey, Jamie Foxx, and a number of stalwarts that showed up after being exiled from their original networks. Of course, we're not here to talk about good things. This month, we're going to take a look at some of those times in the 11-year history of the WB where maybe it was a better idea for them to stick with the dramatic, teen-oriented stuff and leave any attempt at something lighthearted to the professionals. And since it's also officially the holiday season now, maybe we'll throw in a lump of coal. So join us next week as we... This the frog, baby! This is the WB... To present. Hello my baby. Hello my honey. Hello my raghunga. Faces I remember. <laughs> it's WB Semba. Check please. Intellehell.